today we're going to continue talking about the foundational part that relationship plays in discipleship. <sighs> You're with the Keeping It Simple podcast, where the rubber meets the road concerning the one thing Jesus told us to do. That's right. And today... <laughs> Well, and uh, sorry, did you love my yeah, intro I loved, or what? I was so thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> I was still coming to terms with it. <laughs> it's just absolutely throwing me. Um, welcome to the podcast. We have podcast. lots of fun. Yeah, that's right. And and what I was trying to say was it's all about relationship. Last week we were talking about relationship, and today we're going to continue with some examples and, pr- and probably a bit of theology. So if you haven't listened to last week, this is part two to last week. So yeah, and and really where we're coming back in today is right where we ended last week, and we'd been talking about this verse out of Mark that talked about Jesus calling the disciples initially to be with him and then to send them out to preach. And we were making the point that relationship was primary for him Mm. before their gifting or their calling. It was relationship. And I guess another thought that flows out of that that's very similar is that Jesus placed relationship before task. Yeah. You know, and I think that's so critical that relationship should come before service, should come before task, should come before the ask, you know, on a volunteer or whatever. Right. Relationship should be first. There's for me as a local church pastor, there's there's nothing worse than seeing people get burned in church life or by church life, you know. And sometimes that's actually partly their fault where they're just driven for whatever reason, that their motives, they want to be seen to be successful or to be committed or whatever, and they allow drivenness to take them places they never should go, mm. to say yes to things when they should be saying no, I'm doing enough right now, thanks. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's it, it's that, but sometimes it's actually that people are just serving and they're not plugged in. Yeah. They're not connected to sort of the life of the vine in that sense. Yeah, and, and I think it's so important that we affirm people before performance, mm. not just because of their performance. And I mean, you would see that in Jesus's baptism. You mm. have God who's, who's, you know, he gets baptized and he says, this is my beloved son with, with who I'm well pleased mm. before he did anything. He just had been <laughs> baptized at that point. Um, so we, I think we've got to really try and model that as well, where we're affirming people just because of who they are, not mm. necessarily because of what they're doing, because otherwise people burn out trying to perform. Yeah. Um, one of our, I guess, key value statements is that God cares more about you than what you do. Mm. And I'd say that we try to also then um, model that ourselves, whereas we care more about you than than what you do. Yeah, we just yeah. care about you. If you can't do that, that's okay. We still care about yeah, you. We yeah. don't just care about you because you can do that thing. <laughs> Which is really modelling you know, hopefully Christ-like. Genuine humanity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like humanity um, because Jesus prioritised people. I mean, if you just stop and think about his time on, on the planet, you know, 33 years, Jesus, the eternal word, steps out of the eternal and the unlimited into time, mm. you know, the, the kenosis of Christ, the self-emptying. So he, he actually lays aside that to step into the limitation of humanity. And he has limited years, you know, even by our standards. Like we live a lot longer than people did back then. But Jesus even knew that his time would be limited very, because he would lay his life down very intentionally. Um, The question becomes, where did he spend it? Mm. If you read the Gospels, it's not hard to see where Jesus spent his time. He was with 
people yeah. continuously. Uh, Jesus' teaching reflects it. His teaching was people orientated. You know, he, he says to um, people who are complaining that he does a good work on the Sabbath and helps someone, he's saying, which one of you wouldn't get a donkey out of a pit on yeah. the Sabbath? How much more would God want to heal his children on the Sabbath, on this day of rest? And so Jesus was totally people orientated. Mm. You know, what's the importance of relationship? Well, re- resource and blessing flows through relationship. Again, we're making the point. It's all about relationship. Discipleship's all about relationship. Yeah. You know, I had a great old man of God say to me years ago, uh, he just simply said to me, Chris, everything in life flows through relationship. And I've just seen it again and again and again. You know, for example, who you know, if you need a tool all of a sudden on a Saturday afternoon, your mower breaks down, you know, or your car, car has a problem, um, where are you going to get that tool from? Shops are closed, whatever. You're going to be thinking about people you know. Right. Yeah. You're not going to be thinking about the stranger that lives three doors down. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might go be, knock on his door yeah, and ask. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wonder if he'd have that. You, you're going to be thinking, is my brother in town? Or, you know, who's a good friend from church? Or you, You're going to go to relationship most of the time. Yeah, I mean, that's a great thought. And, I mean, I guess we see that kingdom really flows the same way. Mm. Um, if you look at John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. God's whole intent in Christ was to, to bring us into mm. relationship. Um, I mean, even if you're looking at a vine, you know, there's a lot of branches that come from the vine itself, but there's also branches that are built on branches if, mm. if you look at a vine. Yeah. Um, and I guess even then just looking at like Abraham, you see he was blessed literally through faith um, also because he was the friend of God. Yeah, 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 yeah. wasn't just, wow, he's this awesome guy who takes risks. Yeah. It's, it's like God was he's actually... He's my friend. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. my friend. I'm wanting to develop a friendship and a relationship. Um, and, and we've said this before, but it, it's just worth repeating again that people or relationships, they're the fruit that God's looking for. Uh, from our lives, you know, John 15, um, Jesus said, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Uh, so you will be my disciples. So again, what is this fruit? Well, if you're a disciple, I'd say it this way. What what sort of fruit does an orange tree give you? Yeah, <laughs> It gives you oranges. So if you're a disciple, what are you going to produce for the kingdom? It would be a mistake to say great meetings. Right. Or awesome sermons. No, no. If you're a disciple tree, you will produce disciples. Disciples. That's your fruit. So we need to be aware of of inaccurate definitions, I think, of Christian fruitfulness. And we've talked about this in the realm of, you know, giftedness. Oh, I'm a, I, I'm a prophet or I prophesy or I preach. That's, that's not a gift given. That's, the, sorry, that's a gift given. That's not a fruit that you produce. Right. Um, you know, the vineyard owner coming to visit and you showing him the tractor and the shovel. Right. Here's yeah. my fruit. And he's like, no, that's a tool. No, yeah. Bullfed, that's the tool. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that's where's the fruit, you know? Um, and people will sometimes will even say, oh, I, you know, I'm a very loving person, you know. Uh, I produce love, joy, and peace. And that's oh, beautiful. produce the fruits of the Spirit, yeah. Beautiful fruit, but that's not your fruit. Right. That's the fruit of the Spirit at work in you. <laughs> right, you know? yeah, And, and yeah. we can say good on you for yielding to the Spirit, but that's still not the fruit that you produce for God as far as your ministry and your service to Him. So The fruit is the people. The fruit's the people. It's the disciples. And 
obviously, and we've mentioned this, Jesus appeared to measure his own fruit mm. by people. In John 17, he, he says to the Father, you know, when I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I've kept, and none of them is lost except the son of perdition that the scripture might be fulfilled. He's talking about Judas, but here it's, off, it's obviously talking about the people that he personally discipled. He measured his own fruit by people. Right, and I mean, he could have said so many things, mm. like to prove that his ministry was successful. You would think surely he would go to miracles of feeding thousands, healings, large crowds, mm. but instead he, instead he says 11 people. <laughs> and I mean, that challenges me because I, I feel like when people ask me the question, I mean, as a church leader, like, how's church going? It, mm. you, your mind instantly goes to the big things. Mm. It goes to, oh, we had this community outreach that brought this many people in, which is all good things. We had this service. And we had mm. more people than we'd ever had, and yeah. which, is, again, it's great. But really the fruit is, yeah, there's this, there's these three or four guys that I'm working with and God's really doing something yeah. and they're working in someone else's life yeah. and, and they're reaching their friends and they're, they're sharing with their co-worker the other day. It's like that's, that's the real fruit. Exactly. Um, and I guess, you know, John 13, 35 where it says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if, if you have love for one another. Mm. It's like that, that's how I guess what a disciple looks like. And mm. Mm. It's, it's hard to love in a specific sense, from a distance, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you – there's a great scripture, you know, it says, bear one another's burdens. Mm. And I know I've, I've done this as an example, you know, and I, I probably wouldn't do it nowadays, but I remember in my early ministry saying to people, okay, let's all stand up in the middle of a sermon. Let's all stand up. Okay, now I want you to turn to the person next to you and bear their burdens. Right. And, of course, everyone's just like so uncomfortable – and there's, I think a few larrikins might have jumped into each other's arms. But yeah, other than yeah, that, yeah. it's like, how can you fulfill scripture sitting in a church service? Right. Yeah. You true. actually can't. But mm. journeying someone outside of quote unquote church official hours, mm. you know, dropping a meal off when you know someone's sick or visiting someone in another state when you're on holidays, but you know that they've just got out of hospital, like that kind of stuff. Mm. That's that's actually really fulfilling scripture. That's discipleship. Mm, yeah. And that's discipleship. And and it is. It's all born out of relationship. Yeah, which I guess is possible in a classroom in that sense. But <laughs> uh, maybe a little crammed. Uh, like, yeah, a little yes, bit crammed, a little bit awkward. Be, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and I guess in all of this, hey, a, a key is to remember that the, the joy is really in the basics. Yeah, yeah. Um, Romans 14, 17, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So I guess it's saying the kingdom is not this external activity or conforming and being a part of a certain group, mm. but it's experiencing righteousness, peace, and joy. So the kingdom might not be food and the food and drink, but I think it's amazing how much kingdom, how much the kingdom of God manifests mm. around food and drink, Abs people being together. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just a cursory look at um, Jesus' life. I skimmed the Gospels for this, and uh, in in the Gospel of Luke alone, Jesus has 10 meals with people. Right. right. And one of those is with a perceived enemy. Not He didn't perceive en them as an enemy, but, you know, people perceive Zacchaeus as an enemy of the people, being a tax collector. Right. right, yeah. So Jesus has a meal with a perceived enemy. He has at least two meals with true enemies, like people who were out to get him. Yeah. Again, he wasn't an enemy. He wasn't or he didn't perceive them as his enemies. 
they perceived him as the enemy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so he ha- he sits with the Pharisees at least twice. Um, when you think about it, he's revealed in the breaking of bread on the Sea of Galilee, mm. when the you know he's raised from the dead. They they're all gone back fishing and are quite depressed about everything that's happened, and he reveals himself in the breaking of bread. So again, is the bread the kingdom? No, but around that social activity, yeah, yeah. often a breaking bread, you see Christ using it to to call, create encounters for people. If you think of uh, the guys on the road from Emmaus, mm. you know they didn't know who he was. He expounds the scriptures to them. But when the moment he broke bread with them, he was revealed to them. So mm. there's so much in scripture. And when we're, we're talking about this, it's that's the joy is in the basics. Right. You know, having meals with people, hanging out with people, having coffee with someone if you're mm. able to do that. All of those things, that's where relational, intentional discipleship probably works best as we do life together. Yeah. It's not a program. It's not a model. It's more organic than that. But yeah. sometimes we have to use a model to – it's almost like the trellis that the vine grows on. Right. Yeah, we have yeah. to put a stake in the ground or we have to put a trellis in the ground, uh, this framework that supports the growth of the plant. Yeah. But yeah. we should never confuse the trellis from the vine. Yeah, yeah. You know, what's really, really – Important. I almost even wonder if, like, yeah, relationships almost like that fertile soil. Like, it, and it's going to take intentionality. Like, you're going to have to be intentional, or it's just going to be fertile soil. Like, yeah. but if you've got great relationship with someone, if you build a great relationship, you've got a really fertile place to start <laughs> yeah. growing something and to start yeah. intentionally discipling someone. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, I think too, when when you're more relational like that, it's it's where evangelism works best. Mm. And it's without an agenda. It's like Jesus, like I'm coming to your place, to Zacchaeus, you know, and eventually he proclaims salvation's come. Um, That could have gone another way. I'm sure there are other stories that didn't end that way. But mm. Jesus was there for dinner anyway. Yeah. yeah. Y- you know what I mean? Um, they're just not they're not necessarily recorded. So I guess what we're in all of this, we're talking about the one thing. Jesus told us to do. Mm. It's discipleship. And it's not a program. You know, it, it can happen within a program, yes, but it's not that. The program is the trellis. Yeah. It's the supporting stake in the ground. Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily services or or good materials. Or, all of that stuff is good. We're not dishing it. We're just saying if you can't bring it back to the core of discipleship is actually us being in relationship mm. with other people. And, and all kinds of people, not just people within the church. Discipleship, again, is not about making, you know, other church people our kind of church people. Yeah. This is, this is about us living our lives in the world in such a way, shining our light into dark places, living our lives in such a way that we take people on the journey with us. And it's intentional and it's relational. And next week we're going to drill down into what, what some key relationships are and what they can look like. And we're going to be talking over the next few weeks about how we can actually create the kind of environment that makes discipleship simple to understand and easy to accomplish in a sense and desirable to actually do. Right. And, hey, remember in all of that, being a disciple is not about being perfect or a super Christian. It's about remaining teachable. 
Thanks for being with us today. If you've made it this far, then we hope that means this episode was valuable to you. We'd love this resource to reach anyone who needs it. So please consider giving this podcast a rating or sharing this episode with someone you know. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email keepingitsimple at newhope.org.au. Thanks again for listening and we'll catch you in the next episode.